Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and I am joined as always by Tara. Greetings citizens. This is our science fiction movie podcast. Every time we get together we're here to talk about a sci-fi movie and this is another 70s sci-fi movie where we're firing through some of these in advance and going to do some sort of special occasion with them. I don't know what yet exactly but we've got plans. Uh, this is going to be The Terminal Man from 1974. We'll start spoiler free of course. You want to try that again? The Terminal Man? <laughs> I was like, I thought you were going to be like, I didn't watch that movie, I watched this movie. I was like, oh shit, did we watch different movies? Do we have to go and watch the other ones and then come back and record both? How do you uh, not say it like Arnold? Terminal. Terminal, man. I, I can't, because I can't do Arnold voice. Oh, that's a shame. I can't do Arnold voice, so that's why I can't. I can, I can give you John Hammond, but I can't, I can't do Arnold. You've got one impression. It's the only <laughs> Scotsman who has any quotable lines. I'm sure there's other ones. I mean, I can do... I ate a baby. <laughs> that sounded a lot more like your Arnold voice than it did anything else. <laughs> Tell me the man ate a baby. <laughs> oh, I ate a baby. That's what you're going for. Um, I can't believe you just made me do a fat bastard line. I hate you now. <laughs> I hate that character. What a passion. Off to a good start. Mm-hmm. so yes the terminal man uh, 1974 we'll start spoiler free we'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers this is a film about a, a, a gentleman played by George Segal this is a character named Harry Benson and he was in an accident he was in a, 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 a motor vehicle accident and he got brain damage from it to, and he has this condition uh, his wife and daughter uh, died in the accident and he has this condition where he blacks out and in those blackouts he has no memory of what he does in these blackouts but he becomes very violent uh, very psychotic you might say and he opts into this procedure to put a computer chip into his brain uh, which will hopefully kind of like null those impulses so that when he has a blackout it'll actually control him and stop him from doing anything violent. He wants to feel safe mm -hmm. so he won't attack anyone. And the film's basically this procedure and the fallout from it, and that is the gist of it. So, uh, Tara, what did you think yeah. of The Terminal Man? I think it's okay. It's a bit boring. My freaking cat. I think it's a bit boring, but I think the ideas are there, like... And I think it's oddly, um, it's boring, but it also has like a lot of scenes that are quite beautiful. <laughs> like it's well shot. But it's, it's, um, yeah, it's well directed. Um, but I kind of agree with the boring thing. There's definitely a lot of time spent on things that don't need that much time, and a lot yeah. of a lot of the interesting ideas feel like they're underexplored. So I, I guess my my yeah. overall opinion of this would be it's kind of a missed opportunity. But it's not necessarily one without some merits. Agreed. Yeah. Like, there, there's a lot there. I think it could definitely be, you know, remade. And um, like like you said, there's, there's potential. It sets up a lot of ideas that it doesn't really follow through on. Did you kind of think this movie was going to be about mind control? Because did they set that up? and then not deliver on that also they, they kind of teased that they also <laughs> the whole idea like the, the, the character has a phobia of machines and computers he thinks computers are dangerous and they're going to take over and he's getting a computer chip put in his brain to help him and i feel like that and he has a lot of knowledge of computers like yeah he's... i feel like all of that amounted to nothing all of it nothing yeah like yeah Nothing really comes from the fact that because like all that really happens and uh, I mean we're still in spoiler free but like it's not like the computer takes over him or anything like that it, it's like it's not like that at all it just makes his condition worse I mean I, I guess that's a male spoiler but that's all that really happens there's no idea of the computer chip really affecting anything other than that uh, there's no ideas of him being more paranoid because there's a computer chip and inside him. Right. There's, there's nothing like it does nothing with any of these ideas to the point where the on paper this sounded really science fictiony the actual movie is very slight science fiction like very slight very slight yeah it's more like um i was thinking there's a there's a lot of parallels to just pharmaceutical industries trying mm -hmm. to instead of you know going to the root of a problem trying to cover up symptoms and uh and the the consequences of those you know, like you can't take Tylenol without 
you know, reading a warning about liver damage or aspirin without like kidney damage. Like there is a cost to everything. There's no such thing as a free lunch in nature. And, and, and this is the same kind of idea where it's just, let's, let's just see what we can, what we can do without really like fixing the cause of a problem. And, uh, and those, you know, repercussions, though, that fine print that's unexplored so far, like they're just, it's also kind of the same, the same message as Jurassic Park. Like, can we do this? Not should we do it? <laughs> well, which I mean, is it's the same author. Yeah. So, which oddly, I don't know if we mentioned it. Yeah, it's Michael Crichton. But what's funny about it is that the movie starts with now I actually looked the actor up because the actor is not Scottish but there's that one of the doctors at the start who's explaining like to the other doctors because the, the opening scene of the movie is like uh, just at a dinner table it's like these three guys uh, it's a really weird scene actually for a couple of reasons um, but the guy yeah, the guy the who's Paul Newman scene <laughs> yeah the guy who's who's explaining like what they're going to do he's very much the John Hammond and he's the one with the crazy idea and he's like so here's what we're going to do and he's got, he's got a, like a bit of a Scottish accent, which he's putting on because the actor's not Scottish. I looked him up. Um, and I thought it was really How weird. How dare he? There are plenty of Scottish actors who need work. Exactly. How dare he? Yeah. And screw Mike Myers while I'm on the topic. Um, <laughs> so, but like, I thought it was really funny how both this and Jurassic Park start off with the scene with some Scottish guy, some crazy Scottish guy who's eccentric going, hey, I've got this idea. <laughs> you know, going to believe this, you know, uh, spared no expense, you know, I don't care for lawyers, do you? Like, you know, like, this is, it was so, it's such a weird part, because Westworld, which we've not done on the show yet, but we've both seen the no, Westworld movie. No, but I movie. have watched it also. Like, it's part of this, like, 70s science fiction watch I'm doing. It's basically, you know, the same plot as Jurassic Park, but with these robots instead of dinosaurs, right? It's the exact same thing. Um, I guess a lot of Michael Crichton has, well, I guess he has a formula. Is it pronounced? Is it pronounced Crichton? Because it, it doesn't look as pronounced that way. Yeah, I think it's Crichton. Is it Crichton? Okay, okay. Um, I always said Crichton. I said Crichton earlier because I thought, you know, what? I'm going to sound smart and try and say it right. Uh, but if it's if it's Crichton, it's Crichton. Maybe like originally his family name was that, but it, you know, I'm pretty sure it's Crichton now. Fair enough. Uh, we'll go with it. We'll roll with it. Um, yeah, that's opening seems weird to me because. There's a point because he's explaining the condition. He's explaining how people, you know, there's like four million Americans right now who have this condition where they black out and they'll do different things based on their accidents uh, mm -hmm. and what's what it's done to their brain. And then the example he gives is like, I once met a woman who would have intercourse with as many as twelve men and not be satisfied. And there's this long pause, and the, this guy with a bow tie and glasses goes, "My God." <laughs> I just started I laughing. <laughs> Those men are terrible at sex. <laughs> <laughs> it really made me laugh. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> and as it's this sort of posh guy with a bow tie, he's like, my God, 12 men <laughs> couldn't satisfy a woman. Great Scott, man. We must find a cure for this immediately. <laughs> It just really made me laugh. Uh, but what's so what's right. it, it's so bizarre. And that's after he goes, Is that Paul Newman over there? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, there's such a, I feel like there's, there's a pacing to some movies in the 70s that's so lackadaisical. It's like the complete opposite of what um, like I think some movies are now, which are too fast and too sped up. Uh, there's a middle ground. That, that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, because this is the thing, the movie essentially after this little prologue scene explaining some stuff really starts with the arrival of Harry Benson at this, like, you know, facility, this, this hospital. And he comes in and they put him in his room and it's this really long drawn out thing of all these steps. And I get why it's doing all these steps. It's building the suspense of what the thing is, but... And we're I, trying to figure out who he is and he gives these little clues and stuff. So here's a question I want to pose. The movie made a choice, right? Or the director and writer made a choice here where they didn't show him in one of his violent outbursts to start the movie. Because my instinct here would be to show one of... Because they mentioned that he's had a couple of these outbursts and he's tried to murder at least they two people. they pictures of like what happens to people when yeah. they're around him. Like, uh, you mentioned his wife and child died in the car crash. But I thought it was his wife in the photos. So oh, you may be right. You may be right, yeah. You may be maybe right. Maybe that was just his girlfriend or something. But 
but yeah, we see like him with all these pictures of him as a happy family, and then all of a sudden we see him like in prison. I'll, I'll be honest, we watched this like five days ago. That detail might have swapped around in my head. It might be that his wife and daughter left them to be safe for all the but the rest of the movie didn't give me the impression. There was a car ca- crash. Yeah, but... but the rest of the movie didn't give me the impression that he was trying to get back with his wife and kid because you never hear about them or see them again. So I I assumed they'd passed away from memory, but uh, yeah. But Anita, there is a character that we meet that is clearly like his girlfriend or something. Yeah, um, but you know it, they made this choice not to show him actually do something, and I thought that was kind of interesting because as the movie's going on and they show the other characters around him, kind of treat him like with sort of distance, as if they're kind of scared of him. But he's kind of yeah, friendly. You know, he's he's actually quite friendly and nice most of the time. But it's, it's just the idea that he could have one of these blackouts. You know, he he smells something, he has a blackout, and he becomes this violent kind of monster. Uh, and, and but we never see it, and I, I thought it was kind yeah. of weird that. Because I thought it was interesting that when we see him, when we get introduced to him, he gets like, he, you know, he's handcuffed and he gets removed from the back of a truck, like a, mm. like he clearly came from an institution of some type, and um, he's in a suit, like he looks like he just got home from work. <laughs> mm. No, and I, I thought that was an interesting way to present he, him too. But here's here's my weird thing with this: I actually don't mind. I didn't mind it in the first half that it didn't show us it because I thought, oh, they're building up, they're letting us think about it and suspect what he's actually like so that when he eventually does, because we're going to see it at some point, of course yeah, we're going to. Yeah, everyone's telling us he's dangerous and right. so he looks unassuming, he doesn't but look the, dangerous at but all. But the, the problem I have with this though is that when things start going wrong and he starts, because the whole idea is that it's getting worse and happening more, because because from what we hear early on in the movie, it's something that happens once in a while. It's not every day. It's, it's something that happens. It's randomized. Yeah, it's very yeah. random and long and drawn out in various... There's, there's nothing that seems to trigger it. It fa- just kind of happens. But it's fairly spaced out, right? But once mm-hmm. things go wrong, it starts happening quicker. I thought it was really strange that it was hard to get a sense once that started happening, like how much of a bigger problem this was, because we didn't have any real context for what it was like before uh, in terms of actually seeing it, right? So when we see it later on in the movie, I actually felt like because we don't see it until it's getting worse, I, I, I really thought the movie would have benefited either from starting with the aftermath, like directly seeing what's happened from one of his outbursts, or like in the middle of the first half, like, before he has the procedure, yeah. like, seeing one that almost happens, like, see him, like, have his blackout, but he's in restraints, right? So we get the tease of, like, oh, he's getting, like, violent and angry, but we don't actually get to you, see him do the thing. You don't think that showing him have an outburst and attack somebody right away will make us not want to root for him? No, you're right. There's, there's, there's a cost to that choice, right? There's, 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 like, two different, like, methods here. Which is why I'm offering you the third option. I'm saying, give us a lot of what we get at the start, then have him have an outburst when he's restrained, so he can't actually do anything, but we see what he becomes. Yeah, he seems... It, it's like a... It's like a Jekyll and Hyde, we're supposed to yeah. assume. But the the only person we see is, you know, is him before he... Like, we never see him have an outburst like, until I, later on. And I, so I, I, every time he interacts with people, it's kind of friendly and funny. Like, he's really funny in the beginning. There's a, but there's a point, I think, where it's, it's too long that that's happening, where I think the movie's robbed of the suspense that it could otherwise have of being scared. Yeah. Like, I think making us like him first is a good idea. So I will happily say that, yeah, probably showing something right at the start of the movie is not a good idea, even though I think it's also a valid choice. But it, it does create a different tone from the start. But let's yeah. say you don't want that. Let's say you want to make us like him first. That's cool. But I, I think it really needed us to see the danger of him somewhere mm-hmm. in the first half when we still got to like him afterwards. Because the problem is, is that once he starts going really bad because things are going wrong because of the you know the procedure, it's kind of just a lost cause at that point. And there's not there's not really like I think the human drama of it's lost. Where I think if we saw him have an outburst and then saw him be likable again afterwards and saw him like you know really like be scared that it happened again and see like it would it would do it would be like a one two punch because on the one hand we'd see the danger of what he's like when he does do this, but on the other hand seeing him be really remorseful and scared about it afterwards would actually make us sympathize with him even more. I think. Um, yeah. So. I think the movie really misses a beat by not having something like that. The first time we see him have an outburst is already when we're, oh, things are worse than they ever were before. But we never got to see what they were like before. Not really. You know, we had it implied, which was fine up until a point, but we really needed to see something. Um, so that would be my main big complaint of the movie. The other big complaint of the movie is that 
and I can I can kind of attribute this to one section to one scene, although it's a problem in all scenes as well. But definitely this one is the biggest offender. The actual operation when he goes under the knife. I checked because I was curious afterwards. This sequence starts around the twenty-two minute mark and doesn't end until the forty-one minute mark. It is unbelievably long, and it's not exciting. And it's it's no, it's not. There's no tension, and it's just so drawn out. And it doesn't need to be like I. It's not a particularly long movie, I don't think. Well, maybe it's like an hour and forty or something. But they, they could have happily, they could have easily out of this. Like, what, what did I just say? Nineteen minutes. They could have cut fifteen of these nineteen <laughs> minutes out, and you would have lost nothing of value. Nothing. Like we even like hear the surgeon, like the the head surgeon guy that we see in the beginning. Like he's talking through the procedure, and it's he's just like chit-chatting with his nurses and yeah all well, the doctors yeah and yeah he, they're not even like they're not talking about anything important he's just like oh when i when i was a uh, i don't know when i was doing my training or whatever that this surgeon used to make jokes the whole time or whatever like okay <laughs> I think the problem is, is that the movie's so dry and like so the characters are so like one note other than harry himself and with maybe uh, dr ross because she's like kind of more prominent in the second half but the problem is is, see i could almost buy that this would work see if they'd built up that this was a difficult procedure and they weren't sure if it was going to be a success and we'd Mm -hmm. gotten to know the doctor performing it and knew that he was nervous then maybe him being nervous throughout and trying to make small talk to make himself feel better and seeing that he's scared as he's doing it that could maybe be entertaining that could maybe have be suspenseful I think the scene is is well shot, like it looks really good, but it is just too boring. And I think it's good for like, if you're a medical student, you'd probably really dig it because <laughs> like, oh, it's so accurate. But yeah, yeah, but we don't. Know the rest if... of us are just like, I'm not. I don't want to watch the Surgery Channel right yeah, but now. The, I want to watch. Here's the thing, Tara. Here's the thing, Tara. Though we don't know if it's accurate. I mean, you're assuming it is because it's so long well, drawn I out mean, and boring. Michael but... Crichton does have a, a background in okay. medical science, but you so look... that's why I'm assuming it. He puts a lot of science in his books that are like pretty. It's okay. Hard to know. Okay, that's fair. But you are still assuming. You don't actually know for sure if the, all this babble is accurate. It's it's true. I just don't know why else they would include it because it it doesn't mean anything. Sure, to okay, me. that's a fair point. Yeah, why would they include it if they're not like, oh, we're proud of how accurate all this stuff sounds? There's the thing that this scene after the first couple of minutes of them starting the procedure, you could literally just cut to the ending of it and say, okay, that's us done, and that would be fine. Yeah, they try to have some tension where he's like, oh, he's about to hit a blood vessel. This could be dangerous, and there's like this beeping sound that. <laughs> become steady all of a sudden like oh some tension and then they just go around the blood vessel and it's over real fast so i mean whatever <laughs> yeah it's such a dull sequence it is unreal uh, this is absolutely something that sh- if, if it, you know I, I think there's potential in this it needs to be remade and they have to decide what they want to focus on beyond like what this movie because it doesn't this movie doesn't focus on any of the interesting ideas it doesn't like it doesn't focus on any of the things that make it interesting or science fiction or or anything like that. It 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 it's just like it makes his condition worse. That's it, and the tragedy that comes from that, which we'll get to in spoilers. But like that's basically it. Uh, we should probably talk about some of the other characters, though. Uh, we mentioned uh, Doctor Ross, who's kind of not a love interest, although there's like a male attraction. Yeah, I mean, she's a very attractive woman, and he he <clears throat> kind of brings that up at one point, but it seems to be more of a it seems to be a professional relationship for the most part, but it, she's not, I don't know what it is about her really, but I don't really find myself afraid for her. And I think maybe that's just the directing. Mm-hmm. Um, like they want me to care about her. And I, I think it's just the length of the scenes that like the tension goes away and maybe my, concern for the character does too i think it's the writing to be honest because i i don't think we get enough of her to actually really care about her like you know she she i feel like after one brief introduction we don't really see her until she's interviewing him after he has the procedure and then from there like it's kind of just into the last act of the movie and like i think the problem is another just drawn out scene and that's the scene we'll talk about in spoilers but there there's like a chase 
scene or they're trying to figure out what happened and where somebody went. Yeah. And it's just so drawn out. Which would be, I mean, that's the sort of thing you could draw if you if it was suspenseful, if it, if it was actually engaging because you were kind of concerned about it. Um, but the movie doesn't really give you any reason to find it suspenseful. Mm-hmm. My, my thing with this is that the characters are all so bland. Um, uh, you know, like, I, I didn't learn a single name in this movie outside of Harry Benson. Like, none of them, like, struck a chord in any way form. Like, she she's is just... Dr. Rogers? Is he the one with the forehead? Uh, Dr. Morris. Morris, there you go. Um, forehead man, yes. I would describe him as a smug Walton Goggins. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of early Walton Goggins. If Walton Goggins and Jeffrey Combs <laughs> merged together, yes. maybe a hint of Willem Dafoe. And he has such a which like, sounds really interesting, but actually he's just okay. <laughs> yeah, all of his stuff kind of goes nowhere as well. Actually, minus like sixty percent charisma. <laughs> yes, all all of his stuff goes nowhere. Like there's a thing where he, there's a scene where he kind of flirts with uh, uh, Harry's girlfriend because he meets her at one point. There's a scene mm-hmm. where he goes to like a strip club briefly for seemingly no reason. Mm-hmm. He he seems to be set up as the doctor who's willing to do anything to like get this experiment done, and even if it can be malicious, like he doesn't really seem to care too much about about uh, like the the welfare of the person involved. Mm-hmm. And but like not a whole lot comes out of that for him. Like there's no retribution scene for him or anything he doesn't really have like an ending either he just kind of disappears at some point yeah and that's there's it. no arc or ending or anything yeah. for him. yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of strange in that sense. until we like I, I meant to just forget that he exists although he was set up as a main character yeah i'm actually just clicking on i want to see if he's been in anything else that i may have seen uh, he's got quite a, quite a face he's got a good face yeah he was in knowing that nicholas cage movie from 2009 <laughs> of all things although bizarrely before that it wasn't an anything for like mo- most of the 2000s like you have to go back to the 90s to get more stuff with them huh that's interesting it was in cherry 2000s which i've never seen but i've heard of <laughs> you've heard of that <laughs> i've heard of cherry 2000 believe it or not don't yes. know what that is it was in an episode of macgyver He's got a great face, and he seems to be a fine actor in the movie, but he's, um, I, I don't know. He just looks like people. He doesn't look like someone who I know. So an episode of Dallas. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah, he's done a lot of, like, one-off TV appearances. He's not really got Probably much. played a villain. Yeah. He seems wormy. Yeah. He's not really been in a whole lot of stuff of note. Yeah. He's the pre-Goggins, you know. He's the pre-Goggins. <laughs> <clears throat> no, as soon as I saw him, I, I got this Walton Goggins vibe off of him. Mm, uh, is, yeah. is it, if Walton Goggins let his hair grow out, so he had this more of like a, a bigger, puffy wall of hair. He's still got the big forehead going back, but the you know, let it go out. I can see it. He's almost like uh, like Lando in Babylon Five. That's all. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> but he's almost like Lando in Babylon Five with with the the way the hair is. Mm, if he gelled yeah. it up, if he gelled it up, he would have that wall of hair. I know that reference. Okay, uh, so spoilers. Um, where do I want to begin? All right, so let's talk about the fact that after the procedure, uh, well, there's all scenes I want to talk about before that, but I want to talk about after the procedure. Uh, well, they set up, uh, this is what you were talking about, I think, with the mind control stuff, where there were no, I don't even know exactly what they were doing. They were sending like various waves to the computer chip in his head, and it was giving mm-hmm. him different like emotions and feelings. And they, they tried one, and it, it was... smells and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was smelling like beef or something like that at one point. And then they sent like another because we're just going to look at numbers. Like, oh, okay, we'll send them L six nine two, and one of them he immediately goes, "Oh, you're very attractive, doctor." And he starts like brushing her like that's face. That's the horny one. That's the horny one. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, we've clearly made them aroused. Oh, <laughs> they're all excited by it too. Yeah, they're all really excited by it. Uh, yeah, maybe this will work for that woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've discovered a cure. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Or maybe they're just thinking: can, can we somehow make an excuse to put this into like every woman on the planet, and just send it? We'll send, just disguise it as birth control. Yes, <laughs> just 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 send it out. Just send out the horny signal. 
Just have it be this like, little unknown, this this little secret fact anyway. Every night. Why else do men invent anything? They have uh, they have this thing where they're basically reading these brain waves and they're like, oh shit, like this is this is building up to a, an episode, and the computer chip is actually going to increase the frequency of these episodes where he blacks out and does something violent. And unfortunately for them, he sneaks out. His girlfriend brought him a, a bag, which you know the doctor passed on for him, but it had a wig in it, and he puts on the wig because he had to shave his head uh, for the procedure. Um, and he's out outside with the wig and he sneaks away so everyone back at the hospital is freaking out and panicking and like oh we have to find him we have to find him we don't know where he is and he's with his girlfriend in like either her apartment or her hotel room i think it's her apartment it's a very swish apartment she's does well for yeah, herself she's super modern yeah um and this kind of, so this is kind of where i think the tension is really supposed to be and i felt a little bit of it i felt a little bit of like okay he he's going to snap and like kill her at any point like this is something that's going to happen yeah she seemed like she was in danger for a little while and uh and then it just kind of went on for a while yeah it went on for yeah. a while and there is eventually this murder scene where he stabs her on the waterbed and it's kind of you know it's, it's got its moments it's, it's well shot the moment itself uh, which is good. Makes some good use of uh, some extreme close-ups and he murders a waterbed. He murders a waterbed. So yeah, you have all the blood flowing into the water, and it's you know, it's, it's got a visual. Yeah, spectacle it's going through to like it. the the. It's like mixing with the water, and it's going through the the tiles and the, mm-hmm. into the grout. So the grout's turning red, and you're like, it's it's quite pretty actually. It's a really well, like shot film. There yeah, are times I, where I thought this I, is I, very I, like. I know, almost like they're going for Kubrick or something. I almost wondered if the the blood in the tiles where it was going in the grout, so it was making like a grid. I almost wondered if they were going for like a computer chip kind of looked, but that mm-hmm. like the blood was making like a you know, like a computer grid kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Maybe I'm reaching there, but like I don't know. They really emphasized it, so um, it could have just been pretty. <laughs> but, um, uh, it could have been. Yeah, I think the movie was going for like a going for something a little more high art. Which I th- I think is his mistake, honestly. Like I feel like because it doesn't, so it doesn't use its sci-fi because all it is is that he's going to snap and, and don't get me wrong. There is a, a suspenseful idea in there that could have been used to great effect where they try to find him and he's with people. Uh, yeah, I don't need him to turn into like I don't know a cyborg or <laughs> oh sure yeah where he's being controlled by AI or whatever. But, Although they kind of teased it in the beginning. Like te- I was really thinking that this was going to be full sci-fi. Half but, man, half machine. But yeah, but you have to did nothing with it. <laughs> I mean, I I know they're trying to be really, really grounded, like to the point where it doesn't seem like a science fiction film anymore. But no, it, like, like it sounds like it's going to be sci-fi when they're explaining all this stuff, and then it just it's kind of dull and just and like I say, yeah, I, and I, it's I, also I, going for a horror film, but it kind of fails on the horror side. Like I, I think- can. I can see the potential in the idea of us waiting around, like him, we know that he's going to snap again. Every time, you know, maybe he keeps being around people so that there's people that are always around him that are going to be in danger and they're looking yeah. for him. And maybe the last time, you know, where they really, like, the, the big final moment could be like, oh, he's near a bunch of kids. So it's the, the most, like, you know, dangerous yet, you know, where the people who are in danger are more vulnerable and it could escalate like that. So there's a good thriller in there, like, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it does enough with it though to really make it that exciting either. Like, because as much as it's well shot, there's not enough examples. Um, yeah. The, the whole ticking time clock element isn't utilized well enough to really make you feel a suspense of it. So, it's kind of dull. And like I say though, it it whiffs on the promise of the movie because it doesn't like it. It, it teases all these things of like them sending things to him. Because I, I what I thought was going to happen is they were going to try and calm him down by sending him one of those like signals. You know, to like, oh, let's try and calm mm-hmm. him down with like this one because we know that makes him. Let's make him horny. Yeah, make, let's make him horny. <laughs> oh, although that may turn out badly. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, or or maybe they would use make one him of, smell a ham sandwich. You know, they'll they'll, they'll do something else that'll they'll they'll use something they've discovered throughout the film to their benefit. That will u- utilize the tech they've put in them, but they didn't even do that. Never mind, mm-hmm. not use the tech to either do something a bit more science fiction. Where at the very least, maybe they could play on the idea that he's scared of it, so that he actually goes more crazy because he's obsessed with the idea that the computer in his in his brain is taken over but it's not really it's all in his head they, right? i mean they set it up they set up that he's a man who's brilliant at computers that's what he did for a living and that he also feared computers because of their potential and their the power that they can have over humanity 
but exactly, but exactly. Any one of these things. They don't deliver on any of that. Yeah. So it, it's, any one of these things I've suggested would be taking what they set up and using one of them to actually build the back half of the movie out of it. But instead, even if even if he like brings it up at least a bit later, like this is what like I understand computers. Like he he even has a scene where he is being you know wheeled through in a wheelchair and he notices a computer terminal. And he says, "Oh, that's a GX seventy five hundred or whatever." I don't remember what he said, calls it, and they're like. Yep, that's exactly what that is. He's like, I know the model. I know everything about that computer or whatever. It's like, okay, so he understands to the point where maybe he can try to help save himself because he understands how computers work or whatever. But it's, it's just... Or explain more of the dangers about what he's going through. The only the only scene that we have in the back half is that he goes to his place of work and smashes up some of the computers. Like that is all that happens. In terms it's kind of, of funny. Yeah, like <laughs> th- there's nothing to it. Like it, it's such a disappointing film in the sense that it, it has all these things that it could play with and it plays with absolutely none of them. And it doesn't even do enough in the suspense category to make just a suspense. Because I, I think on mm-hmm. suspense alone, you could make the what it does in the back half work. But I feel like in that movie, in the movie in my head where that's what the movie is, right? That's all they want is the idea that they, they, they have. Because all, all it really gives them, the technology in this film, all it does really in the movie is that it gives them a guaranteed countdown timer to when he's going to have an episode. And if that's all they yeah. wanted to build a movie around, then the actual tech that it, that gives them that shouldn't be take up the, the build-up of the entire first half of the movie. That should be a five, ten-minute section of the film that gives them that. And then the rest of it should be the build-up to the first episode. And then the quicker build-up to the second episode. Then someone realizes what's happening and they realize they can track it. And then it, you know, it becomes this race against the clock to stop this killer. And it wouldn't really be a sci-fi movie, but like... That, that that's if they're going to focus it purely on that which is what the movie in the back half tries to do mm-hmm. you have to make that be the, the most of the movie not just but the, the entire first half is all this build-up of the tech and the procedure and the like the the science fiction side of it and then not, none of it really matters beyond just oh we know that he's going to have an episode so it's frustrating yeah it is i mean it's it's still the same message as far as i can tell as what they set up in the beginning with like apparently it's the the way the chip is is messed up is that human or the doctors did not account for the fact that the when he has an episode and he goes into a seizure the computer chip is supposed to give him like a something to calm him down and i i assume it's like a dopamine hit or something but it causes him to hit, hit the signals from his brain are like oh we like this so we're going to keep inducing the seizure for a long period of time which makes him like 30 times more dangerous than he ever was before and they can't control it so i mean i think that the premise and the um that initial theme is good enough to make a movie about but it's it's just so it's, i don't know it just kind of whiffs on on the delivery of just all the, the themes jo, and jo, the character arcs the, and this, the, the, sad the part, tension and the sad, I don't know. the sad part is is that it's not that it should be any shorter or longer the length is actually fine the problem is is that it spends mm-hmm. so much of the length on not just the obviously the operations you mentioned but there's so many scenes where there's characters it's just unnecessary sitting scene. watching or they're just standing there in silence and it doesn't really do much to actually propel the story forward. Like, it's so lackadaisical mm-hmm. in its approach. Um, you know, there's the big scene towards the end is that he actually goes by, you know, the, the doctor that he's kind of befriended, you know, uh, Dr. Ross. Like she, she he goes the by psychologist. Her, yeah. yeah, he goes by her home, and she realizes he's there, and it's supposed to be tense because she knows that he's on this this clock, right? And she tries to phone for help. But the problem is, is that once it starts getting, you know, crazy and he's chasing her around and she's trying to fight off for herself, it ends up just being a bit of a cliche. And like even, even uh, and I can't even say copying the movie because it didn't exist yet, but there's like a total Shining moment. And this movie came out before The Shining, so they didn't copy it. But th- there's a face in the bathroom door moment. And it's kind of like, oh, yep, this, is, a little bit. this is weird that this came before The Shining. And again, it's not its fault because The Shining didn't exist yet. But... I mean... 
there's a little bit that he he goes to her place to to talk to her. Presumably, he doesn't know exactly like he doesn't know the schedule that he's going to have this episode. Mm. Um, like maybe he's going there to punish her for being a, one of the doctors who did this to him. It's like, well, you have to deal with the consequence then, which means being afraid and being tortured by my presence here. Or it's, but he allows her to stab him. So there's also like regret. Uh, I'm a little confused about why he's there exactly. Like, because he, she, she pulls a knife and he just walks into it. He does. It's kind of a silly scene actually, uh, the way he walks into yeah. it. Uh, the bizarre thing, I, I, I mean, I guess you could read that as like the real him's kind of try to fight back, and he wants to just kind of like end it because well, he it, seems to be the real him at the moment. Like he doesn't. Well, yeah, but that's the problem. He doesn't want before an episode hits. This is the thing, though. I don't think he does feel like the real him. I think at this point in the movie, he's intentionally he's, he's not like full on berserk mode, but he feels kind of like suspicious from the second he walks in the door. It's kind of like they want you to be like worried that he's he's, he's already, you know, snapped kind of thing yeah. so they intentionally have him feel kind of creepy and feel kind of like oh he might already be there to attack her and the problem with that is though is, is the rest of the movie's told is that he's completely fine when he's not having a blackout um so that that scene See, that, that's what i thought like i thought he was there initially to be like he, he says that he learned the names and address and of all the doctors doing the procedure who are a part of this experiment and i thought he was there to be like now you have to like you're the reason i exist and i'm like released upon but the public or whatever the, that this is that i've become a monster so now you have to be a victim because of that like, but the, the scene the scene gave me the impression though that he it basically kind of like become unhinged by normal by default like like you know going, going through more of these episodes have made him kind of crazy anyway that was the impression this scene where he was to her place gave me because he felt kind of you know, unhinged the entire time. And sure, he's still kind of him, which is why he, like, threw himself on the knife, because deep down he doesn't want to be, but he felt unstable to me, like, during the entire scene, it, which felt like it kind of murkied the whole movie. Because, again, another concept for this movie could be that once he realises that he's having these blackouts constantly, is one, he could just try and kill himself, uh, or two, he could try and make a point of being isolated and try to be away from anyone so that he doesn't harm anyone. And that could be mm -hmm. like a, a thing that part of the movie could be is him trying to like stay away from people. Um, well, he sort of does both of those things by the end. He throws, he, I mean, he, he stabs himself by hugging her when she's holding a knife. And then he throws himself into an open grave. Um, well, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. It's just kind of unfulfilling, though, because instead of it being, like, he's trying to combat it and it keeps being a source of tension, it ends up just kind of being the ending. And it, feel, it feels like the idea's not went far enough. It, feel, it feels like... The, which is kind of my problem with the whole movie, is that the ideas don't feel capitalised on. It feels like... It doesn't feel like he's out there and dangerous enough for long enough. Yeah. And I think uh, George Siegel is, is a fine actor and it's a good performance. Like, I really like the, the first half of his performance in the beginning. Um, I think he's he does some jokes that I think are really funny. Like, his character seems likable. And, but, like, by, by the end, there's some confusing... <laughs> I, I don't think he's given enough direction on, on what his character's motivation well, well, is because I, it doesn't really come through. Yeah, well, all. I think that's my problem with the scene when he goes to see her. Uh, you know, we to, like yeah. her house I, I think i don't get exactly and to me it comes off because of the confusion is like he's kind of unhinged now in general um and i think the entire back half of the movie just feels undercooked and mm -hmm. the first half of the movie has its problems but i think the the problem is is that it's just it's too lackadaisical and that would be and fine the surgery scene's way too long yeah <laughs> but that would be fine to a point though if we got like a full hour in the back half or you know it'd be more than half of it at that point but if we got like a full hour afterwards where they really spent their time building up the danger building up the threat and building up him trying to fight it and then realizing he couldn't and make it this mm -hmm. tragic sort of like you know story of like sacrifice where he has to sacrifice himself because he doesn't want to be that anymore and you could say something really like kind of like bittersweet you know there could be a message in there about not giving up where someone you know maybe maybe it's dr ross who says no you can't give up you can't just give up and kill yourself because i mean that's kind of the bad message right you don't want to give people that message that's not the message you should be sending out there about mental health um 
but you could do no. the opposite so ha- have this thing where she tries to bring him back from the brink and tries to sort of convince them that they can help him that they, there's still hope for him and maybe have this tragic ending where he he just doesn't believe it and gives up anyway like there, there could be something there there could be like some sort of meaningful story by the end of it i think there's also um a bit of a message that's a little anti anti-doctor and i Maybe that's not right exactly, but you know, I know Michael Crichton went to medical school. I don't think he ever finished, but he writes yeah. a lot about this, and I I think it's a bit about the hubris of of doctors and like well, how let's, they let's rewind see then. themselves. Let's rewind to that mm-hmm. scene towards the start where they have all the doctors there. They've got a big conference room, and yeah. they're explaining the procedure. They even have Henry come in or Harry, sorry, come in uh, on his Henry. his wheelchair. Um, <laughs> Going back to Jurassic Park, yeah. <laughs> Who's Henry in Jurassic Park? Henry Wu. Henry, oh, Henry. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Henry, yes. Uh, yes. There are no animatronics here. These are all the real thing. <laughs> They're all auto-erotica. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a weird line in that movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, so... There's this one old doctor who stands up and kind of yells and says, this is inhumane and this is against, mm-hmm. you know, like medicine and blah, blah, blah. And he compares it to the 50s and or the 40s and the 50s where uh, lobotomies were performed because that was mm-hmm. seen how you dealt with any of these types of patients. And this was just kind of a new version of that. And he brings up a really good, interesting point, which I don't know for sure it was true, but it, it sounds believable, where he says... That wasn't stopped because regulations were put in, put in because it was seen as inhumane or because it was seen as barbaric. It only gets stopped because they realized they could make more money off of the pharmaceuticals to keep them drugged up instead. And that's why it's the way it is now. It's not because it's better. I mean, mm-hmm. it's better in the sense that, okay, it's not completely destroying their brain forever, necessarily. They can maybe come back from these drugs, but it's, you know... Like it's not because that's not why it's in place. It's in place because they found a way to make money off of it. Um, mm-hmm. And he says that this is just a new version of a lobotomy. Um, my only critique of this old man yelling is that at the very least, <laughs> Harry has willingly opted into this. He says he's given his consent. Yeah. He wants to try this. So I will it's, say that that counts it, for it's something. It's true, but it's like when you go to a doctor, yes, you trust that they're an expert. Mm-hmm. But like when you know people who go to the doctor all the time and get second opinions, you know the doctors can be wrong and misdiagnose people all the time. Oh, true. So I think there's a little bit of like you are not better or holier than thou because you are a doctor, which a lot of people put their faith into. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember that these are real people that you're dealing with with lives and not just experiments. And I think that's written into all the doctors that we see with the exception of maybe Dr. Ross. Um, and here's the thing. It, See, and also, he definitely hates cops. Here's the thing. <laughs> if, if we got, all the cops look like idiots. Oh, yeah, they're all idiots in this movie. You're right. Um, but here's the thing. If this movie ended with any of the doctors, because there's like three doctors involved, right? There's, there's Walton Goggins Light, there's the kind of Scottish <laughs> dude, and then there's the other one with the, the glasses. One. Yeah. Yeah. Right? If any of those characters had arcs where at the end they realized that they're their own hubris, because in Jurassic Park, right, to compare John Hammond to them, because he's kind of the, the parable here, right? Mm-hmm. John Hammond has an arc where at the end of the Jurassic Park, he agrees and realizes that this 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 park this it's not a big arc it's not that complex complicated nope. but all they it is is shouldn't uh, exist yes this shouldn't be a thing i've realized that this was a mistake because uh, because he because he he's, he's stubborn for a lot of the movie where he says no 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 next time it'll be better next time we'll have better fences we'll have better systems and ellie's like no 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 this will never work this will never work and at the end of the movie he's like you know what no i agree this 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 can't be a thing um, mm-hmm. and, and in the second movie he's, he's he just wants the dinosaurs to live on an island on their own just let them have their own little island like, it's not like they can fly except the pterodactyls but you know even even those like <laughs> can't, can't fly that far uh, theoretically right I mean we don't know what their, their span you know their migration patterns are yeah. they're supposed to have some kind of like protein thing given to them or else they die but then they I think it's established in the films in the book that they but you said it yourself Life found a way, and by God, they're flourishing. <laughs> flourishing. I can't believe you found a quote from The Lost World. That is the only hammock quote I remember from Lost World. It <laughs> was the anyway. only one. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think there's a lot of good themes in the, in the film. Um, 
but there's a lot of good themes. Like... I agree. <laughs> yeah, themes. Huh? It's got a lot of good themes. I agree. It just doesn't like really do anything with them. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't deliver. It's uh... But I think you know, with the rise of pharmaceutical companies, I mean, you don't live the, in the states, but we advertise pharmaceuticals on TV. Like every other commercial is, ask your doctor about blank blank. And if you go to a doctor, why would you have to ask them about a medication? Like, shouldn't they know what to prescribe you? Mm-hmm. And it's because pharmaceuticals make companies make billions of dollars. So they need you to go be like, oh, ask your doctor about this one. Or if you like, how many medications are there for, you know, plaque psoriasis? Um, I could probably name you 10 <laughs> just because they, are, they advertise on commercial and yeah, uh, it's alien to me it's, but sure <laughs> it's it's pretty gross yeah it's it's pretty gross it's a recent thing too it used to be illegal to advertise um pharmaceuticals on television oh, but oh, I, once I, that law was lifted um it is they are not holding back honestly it may still be illegal here um i think it is i, it, yeah. it's, I think it's unique to america but um uh, we'll see that yeah. will probably change very possibly very possibly the, the only <laughs> the only cynical thing because i mean i you know Free healthcare is nice. Like I, I don't have too many complaints. Uh, but uh, the only, the only interesting thing I could tell you that's a little bit iffy, but I can't really blame him either way. Anyway, is a, my doctor apparently only works four days a week, and the reason why that is is because if he works, if he works a fifth day, the amount he makes puts him into a higher tax bracket, so he actually mm-hmm. makes less money. So he only works four days a week because otherwise he makes less money. Which, I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, well. You're a doctor. I feel like people need your services. But on the other hand, I would do the same thing probably because I'm not working an extra day to make less. <laughs> I can't argue yeah, with that. Yeah, I guess. I don't really see that as shady if he puts it up front like that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not lying about it. It's like, yeah. It's like, as long as you, there's another doctor that is available to you. <laughs> oh, sure, there is. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, uh, like an RN. Uh... <laughs> but, I mean, that's interesting. It's interesting that there's that incentive there that you're actually better off working less because otherwise you get hit more. Well, that's, I think that's a a common thing for people who have, or nations that have free health care though, is that your taxes, Mm. your income taxes go up by a lot. I know that was the case in Canada. Sales tax income tax goes up a a lot because you're paying for the doctors. Yeah. It's kind of worth it though. I mean, (laughs) Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think you can talk to anybody here who's on medication for life and they'll I, say yes I, <laughs> I would much rather have free health care I, I, basically it's, it's a way to kind of like have us all pay for medical insurance without us really noticing it because it's like yes. okay so we have to pay like say three more dollars than you do for a cheeseburger you know what I'm happy with that if it means that when I have a heart attack there's someone there to work on it without because me worrying about it because the cheeseburgers are eating yeah because yeah. the cheeseburgers I mean it's just kind of genius <laughs> when you think about it <laughs> That, that's why they, that's why they tax junk food and like alcohol more because and that's why we don't they're cheap and subsidized by the government so that you get <laughs> sick and you'll have to pay for health care and <laughs> what a depressing conversation this has turned into um, yeah I think Crichton was onto something oh uh, no I mean I can't deny that I, I, that was the thing actually I was reading I forgot it because I read this like, right after I watched it so my, my details might be a little off here but um he apparently was working on this movie. Uh, he was working on the script himself, but the studio thought it diverted too much from his original book, so they hired someone else to write it instead. Um, oh, really? So I think what's interesting is that... I've never read the book. I've read a few Michael Crichton books, but I've never read this one. I wonder if his original script, even though it technically was less faithful to the book in terms of events, I wonder mm-hmm. if it actually delivered on its promise more because he understood what he was doing better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know for sure. Uh, I have no idea, but I would maybe debate that's the case. Oh, yeah, at the end of the movie, just because we're not really talked about that yet, is uh, after he attacks and fails to you know get Ross, he stumbles to where his because uh, I think it's where his wife and child are like in the mausoleum. I think that's where he goes. Um, yeah, it's a really beautiful shot too when he's like walking through and the way the camera moves and yeah, the way yeah. he's framed among them. Like I really noticed it. Like oh, this is a really pretty shot. And his blood smears like all over the mausoleum, and then he just sort of throws himself into an empty grave. And this like family, uh, I think he attacks a like a priest or something too at one point. 
Yeah, but uh, I, I like all the family kind of notice them because they they come up for a funeral and then it's just when they get they're up there that they notice them down there and they're like, oh, and eventually uh, the movie ends with a helicopter, police helicopter shooting them down with a sniper. Um, yeah, he, he's in the open grave and he has a gun with him. Yeah. But he's just like cradling. He's in like the fetal position. He can't do anything. Yeah. Um, honestly, I got the impression that if they just left him, he probably would have just eventually like died from like insanity because he just they felt like he was becoming less and less like coherent and mobile he was just you know yeah maybe it was the blood loss yeah in um, addition to the chip in his head and his wires being crossed wrong so i feel like there was maybe and, more to do with playing this whole thing as a tragedy but again i don't feel like it really dives into that enough either i don't think it, it makes us care about anyone around him i think mm-hmm. i think actually having like a way for someone who we see really loves him might have helped this movie like someone who's written for him and who's going to be affected by his death. Yeah. I mean, he had the girlfriend, but she was kind of like, I don't know. She could have been anyone. She could have been a prostitute or something. And it wouldn't have really made a difference. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the ending's, the ending's okay. It, it just feels a little... Uh, rushed? That's what I'm looking for. No. Nothing <laughs> is when he's rushed. Okay, well, I mean, for first that I think it's rushed. I think it's 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 very slow paced, but the actual ideas are rushed in the sense that it just kind of does the thing in a couple of beats, and that's it. Like underwhelming. It's under yes, it's underwhelming. The movie's I underwhelming. Think a lot of this movie is just very underwhelming. I just wish it did so much more with its ideas, because honestly, there's probably enough. I know they're there. There's enough ideas in this to like fuel like two or three good movies, and instead, mm-hmm. it does none of them. <laughs> just as a as a whiff. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. Unfortunate. I will say this though, and I'm not saying this is why it's been the least enjoyable one so far. But out of all these '70s movies we've done from the uh, Criterion '70s month, this is the first one with no boobs or bush. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and and the only reason why no wonder st- we don't like it as much. <laughs> and the only reason why that stuck out to me is because I seen the strip club, which I noticed was avoiding showing the boobs, and I thought this is weird. <laughs> this feels like the sort that of movie and, that would uh... bask in it. And our, our leading lady, like, is very covered up all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was having none of it. She, she was like, no, 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 no. Yes. I'm not doing it yes. on the day. She is one classy lady who is quite covered. <laughs> yes. Um. So, yeah, just an observation. I'm not really complaining. I, I really don't care if these movies have boobs in them. Um, no, you're right. That was a consistent pattern that has been broken. Yes, yes. Maybe the next one. We'll see no, what the next one's like. No abdominal vaginas. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> i suppose yeah well there was, there was actual bush in that movie too but you're right there was also the specific space you know stomach vagina yeah and we're not even gonna yeah. tell you what movie that was for you're just gonna have to go back and find which one that was <laughs> <laughs> if that's not a tease to check every movie we've done set in the 70s i don't know what is um <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, that's that's basically the movie. That's the terminal man. It's, it's sadly disappointing. I was hoping it was going to be something more than this, um, mm. but we, we've got still a bunch of other seventies movies which we're going to try and get to uh, while they're available, and then beyond that as well. So um, mm-hmm. there's more to come. Uh, but this was the terminal man, uh, Tara. Damn them. <laughs> what, would, what would you give uh, the Terminal Man, starring Tom Hanks and directed by Steven Spielberg? I'm kidding. The Terminal. No, not the Terminal. The Terminal Man. <laughs> the, ter- the Terminal Man. Yes. Uh, I still do overall like the movie. Like it is boring and at times and underwhelming. I think overall, but it's not a it's not a horrible watch. Like I think it's still worth watching. So. Um, I was a little more down on it, and um, I think talking about the potential that's there has kind of made me go up a little bit. But that's interesting because I'd say it's done the opposite for me. It soured me a little bit because it's more annoying that it's it's whiffed all these ideas. <laughs> I, I don't know. I like I like talking about um, the themes that are there that are just not quite explored as much sure. as I want to. Okay, I think okay. it's kind of similar to Final Countdown that way. Yeah. Okay. So I can see that. You know, I, yeah yeah there's a lot of good little moments like, there's moments like see the first time like he meets uh dr ross and he's standing over like behind like the little like you know dressing curtain and he's sort yeah. of leaning over it and he's kind of smiling and cracking a little joke and he's like do i scare you and she's like no not really and he kind of smiles and walks around and it, it's almost like he, like 
he's he, talking to a nurse and he goes, do I scare the pants off of you? She goes, no. And he goes, pity. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's very charming. And it's, it's this kind of thing where he's making sure she feels safe first before he starts cracking jokes. But then he kind of walks around and it's almost, it, it's, a, it's a little moment that lets you know that he's concerned for other people's safety. And that's why he wants mm-hmm. to be fixed because he doesn't want people to be scared of him. Um, yeah. And it's a little thing that makes you want to root for him a little bit. The problem is, is there's just, it whiffs on it in other ways by like being really dull for a lot of the other stuff. But like, so the yeah, rest and, what, and once he kind of turns and becomes just um, the guy who gets the seizures and can't all, all control that goes it away. anymore. All goes away. It, it all goes away. Like yeah. he just becomes that he's, he's not, he's not the person that we're supposed to root for anymore. Yeah. Or hope that we'll be saved anymore. So there's little moments like that, and there's good direction, there's some good visuals at moments, but I think it whiffs on all the other potentials that it has. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm gonna go with a with a six. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's perfectly fair. I I, I will also go with a six. Uh, I I think it's it's not good. But there's enough good ideas to just about make it worth watching if you like these types of movies and you're interested in like mm-hmm. you know seeing some odd little movies and like of times past and what well, you know because I think it's interesting that a couple of these movies now have been about computers when let's face it computers in the seventies were a relatively new thing to most people like mm-hmm. like I feel like this this was a decade where they became known about enough that they could put them in movies and have stories about computers going out of control and st- things like that. Right. It's a technology people don't understand and therefore yeah. starting to fear it. Because obviously like HAL 9000 has to be like one of the first AI like gone wrong stories, right? Yeah. Has to be. Because computers as, as we understand them were Unless only just... Unless you think Count Alphaville was that before? Alphaville was before. That's true. That's true. Oh, I, don't, oh, I don't even do an impression. <laughs> don't do an impression. I hate that sound. It's awful. <laughs> hey, that's a good movie. I liked it. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> I said it was good. I gave it a positive rating. No, 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 no. So, no, I think it's, it's really interesting how movies with computers have developed as more and more people have, have, like, as it's become more of a household object and it's become something that everyone uses at work, like how different our attitudes towards computers have become. And, right. You know, cause, so we get to the 90s, like the net and matrix. Because <laughs> that's when the internet became a thing, really, right? Yeah. For most people. Yeah. Global communication and instant information. Yeah. Yeah. And now, now every movie in the future, it's all like glass tablets with like holograms popping out of it, and yeah, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Uh, but hey, uh, so yeah, six out of ten from both of us, I suppose. So not, it's, yeah, it's not terrible. It, it, there's enough things in there to make it worth watching, but not at the expense. Like watch all the classics first. Like this is something to take. definitely go with Death Race two thousand first. <laughs> Hey, that's more fun. I had more fun with that movie. You know, yeah, see, what you, movie. see what you want. <laughs> I had more fun with it. Uh, but that is The Terminal Man. So you can let us know what you think of this one in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. And you can get us on the Twitters at mail underscore fudge for channel updates. If you want to support the show and the channel everything we do, you can do it a couple of different ways. You can rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. People will find us that way. You can share us out in the social medias. You can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TV. And if you like what we do and you want to support it and get extra content you can donate as those a dollar per month and you'll get bonus episodes of the ace the show you're watching right now because you love it and uh check out our bonus reviews of more b-movie quality films like uh judge dread um what's the saga we've been doing <laughs> the saga transfers is what you're looking for transfers i almost said scanners that's not right that, Scanners always pops in my head, though. That's technically sci-fi, though. You think that would be a bonus episode? I feel like the sequels would be bonus episodes, but the first one, probably not. Look forward to that in your future. That'd be my guess. That'd be my mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, it's going to go do all that stuff. Uh, check out all the content we have. We have a horror movie podcast called Screams After Midnight that I do with Tim. Uh, we do movies every week just like this one. Uh, just like this show I mean not like this movie <laughs> but you can uh, check out that uh, Tara why don't you promote another piece of content that we have well hopefully you guys are enjoying our Star Trek Picard series and enjoying our uh, 
discussions on why it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> uh, perfect show greatest show of all time um, it's worth mentioning for context here that we are recording this a few days before picard actually starts so tower's making some assumptions here some pretty big assumptions i don't think so i don't think that's a stretch <laughs> that show i'm going to watch it with my arms crossed and say okay prove to me you're not a 10 <laughs> which is why i'm reviewing it unbiased <laughs> oh yeah yeah totally to- no no uh who knows maybe the show's over by the time this goes up yeah yeah go check out our review of star trek picard people are going to think you're a paid shell that you're paid to give it the most positive review ever uh, if i were true i would have a better camera <laughs> <laughs> hey 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 maybe a patreon goal like later in the year we'll do we'll get get tara dedicated dedicated camera (laughs) (laughs) so anywho uh yes check out all the content uh and all that jazz uh but that is us so thank you once again for watching and listening uh hope you've enjoyed the show keep watching sci-fi movies guys and computer that's salsa